Welcome back, people. It is August 24th, 2023. This is Season 3, Episode 34 of the Taxi Squad Podcast. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, wait, that's not Mike. He doesn't sound like a Chicago Italian guy like Mike does. I'm sorry. Mike's moving across the freaking USA. He's going to Arizona right now with the love of his life. He is moving currently, and I said, hey. I can do this one for you, dude. I can take care of business. There's a lot going on in the sports world right now, and I think that you guys need to hear what our opinions are. We will get a little bit of a, not to bury the lead, but we will get a, a little bit of a showing from Mike in a little bit, given a, uh, a voicemail that he left us today. Um, and I think you already kind of know what it's probably going to be about. This is going to be a baseball-centric podcast today. I'll try to get you as much information as you could possibly need. But just know, it's just me, man. I'm just sitting here. I'm just sitting here by myself having a good time, playing with a fidget spinner, you know, talking to you guys. So what could be any better than that? Uh, The first thing I want to get into is the current state of Chicago, Illinois. It is 98 degrees here right now. Uh, We talk about this almost every episode, it feels like, especially during the summer months. This is not the weather for big men, which is My whole thing with Mike moving to Arizona, and now that he's not on here, this is just like a platform for me to just talk about how much it doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, Is it because I'm hurt that my boy is leaving me? That's 95% of it, yeah. Uh, But the other 5% is like, hey, man, it's like this every day over there, and I know, and you'll get like the dad, and it's like, you know, 100 degrees isn't that bad. It's the humidity that gets you. I've heard it. I've heard it before. You've heard it before. He, she, we heard it before. Uh, It is too damn hot outside. It is 98 right now. We're supposed to get up to 103 when you're listening to this. So if this is Thursday, stay inside. Um, I have to go into work tomorrow. That's going to be brutal. My car's going to be sweating from running the air conditioning for too long. It's going to be a goddamn mess. So my biggest thing is make sure you have ice made. Maybe hold it on your head. Uh, Also, my apartment is in absolute chaos mode right now. Uh, I live in it by myself now after my roommate moved out and I am currently making a studio to record things such as this in my house. But right now there's just a bunch of trash and garbage everywhere. So I'm living like a freaking hermit right now. I'm sticking to like one to two rooms. Other than that, uh, all of the clutter and BS has taken over. So That's where my mental state is today, so you're about to learn a lot about how I am when I'm chaos mode, baby, and there's no mic keeping me reined in today. I'm about to go insane, so the first thing I want to get into today, the first strange and unusual, if you will, I'm going to talk about the blind side because we did not get a chance to talk about this last week, and I think it's a crazy topic. Um, Mike brought up a good point initially when we were talking about it. He's like, why is this being brought up right now? And I'm sure a lot of people are thinking the same thing, so... Um, to give you some backstory on this, Michael Orr alleged that the Tuies, the family that brought him in in the movie when Sandra Bullock's like, I'm going to teach this man how to play football. Um, he says they misled him into a conservatorship, which you probably know about from the Free Britney movement, um, that gave him legal authority to make business deals in his name. He also alleges he saw no proceeds from the 2009 film, the aforementioned Sandra Bullock banger. The Blind Side, which earned over $300 million. Um, does he deserve money in that deal? Yeah, it's a movie about him. I don't really know like 
Tim McGraw's out here stealing millions of dollars from the guy. I get it, whatever. Um, the amount given per person on the movie was not agreed upon, um, but he's insisting that he didn't get his fair share, which I could probably agree with. I would not be surprised if that happened to be the case, so I'm going to go along with it here. Um, what The reason it's being brought up now is because I guess he didn't know about the conservatorship. Um, I guess he thought that he was adopted. There's a lot of bylaws, um, especially with the state that they're from, um, given that it's Mississippi. They have a lot of things to follow by. Can you actually adopt a guy at 18, or do you have to have somebody that's under 18, whatever it may be? So they made up this screwy story, um, basically said, yeah, we have to adopt you this way. He just learned what it was essentially not too long ago. Um, Sean Tui. The young blonde kid, the cute guy that he got in the car accident with in the movie, uh, he told the Memphian, which I have to assume is a Memphis newspaper, in an interview Monday that the family sought conservatorship to avoid violating NCAA recruiting rules since he, a former Ole Miss basketball player, could be classified as a booster. Sean Tui, sorry, I already fucked up. Sean Tui's the dad. He's not the kid. The other, the kid did another interview, and he basically talked about the same shit. Um, but yeah, essentially this family, Sandra Bullock and Tim McGraw, are both boosters into this. And just so you know, they're not, uh, but the family is. So you're welcome. Um, they want to avoid NCAA recruiting rules. They wanted to make sure that he got to decide what school he wanted to go to, which just so happened to be Ole Miss. So, obviously, they had nothing to do with that. He just wanted to go there. The circumstances are incredible. It's amazing how things end up working that way. No way that he wanted to just, you know, go to a different university. But that's neither here nor there. I think that this situation's pretty fucked up. I think that, obviously, Hollywood's going to glorify all of these things. So, it does not surprise me in the least that we're now sitting in a place where they had got some money from the movie obviously they're saying they didn't get too much um the family wanted to use the conservatorship quote unquote uh to give him what he was looking for in parental love rather than the incentive to go to Ole Miss which again they're major boosters in so um feels a little fishy to me not gonna lie I think it was a long time ago at this point I mean we're looking at almost 15 years so this will get figured out in some way, but I just want to bring that to the attention of the people of the podcast that are listening right now to let you know about the little blindside snafu that's going on currently. Um, I hope everybody gets paid that needs to get paid. I really do. And then another thing, too, when it when it comes to people suing each other and all that noise, Reggie Bush. Mr. Reggie Bush is finally coming back to get his name back on the map. And to stop being so disrespected by the NCAA because he got his Heisman taken away for a couple thousand dollars. Um, if you look on the current like NCAA football situation, Caleb Williams, same school. He says, maybe I don't want to go to the NFL draft next year. Possibly because maybe a team will be at the top that he doesn't want to go to. Is it Arizona? Who knows? We're just talking. Maybe Mike will know more about that when he gets to Arizona. I don't know. But what I'm saying is he is making enough right now in his NIL deals where he's like, hey, I can stay here. I can live in Southern California. I could be in college and still just net millions of dollars and not have to leave where I am. And then eventually I'll go to the NFL if a better team like, you know, situates themselves in that position. So 
a la Eli Manning, but with NIL, he can choose to go to the draft after the season ends when he knows who he's going to get picked by, Um, which, you know, that's a nice little bargaining chip, I suppose. Um, But the only thing that could really mess him up would be a catastrophic injury or something like that because he's that fucking good. And don't get me wrong, I kind of hate that he's that good just because it gives Mike the the argument to uh, say that he's the best quarterback in the nation, forgetting that Sam Hartman exists. Wake Forest legend. Don't forget that. Go Sam Hartman. Um, but, yeah, he's that's my Heisman pick this year. I don't think Caleb's getting it again. I think Sam Hartman's coming out. Notre Dame football's back. Let's go. And speaking of college football, I just want to thank Norman Nate again for coming on last week's show. That was a blast. Um, I hope you guys really enjoyed it. That's truly one of my most favorite parts of, of the year. When he comes on, he's so obviously knowledgeable on the NCAA as well as passionate. Um, and I think that we got to a lot of a lot of the nitty gritty. Um, we'll see if our predictions end up working out that the way the way that we thought they were going to. But again, I just want to thank him for coming on. We'll hear from him a couple more times this season, hopefully, and then obviously he'll be back on before you know it. So get ready for football season. I know I am. I am uh, currently doing all my fantasy drafts. So if you guys haven't had a plan for your fantasy draft yet, this is your warning. If you're the commissioner, you're already fucking up, man. We're at the end of August. This season's coming no time. What do we got, like two weeks, three weeks, something like that? We can start seeing Justin Fields run around the field, do some juke moves and shit, just run around, throw a little bit. I love that. I'm ready to see that again. But you need to make sure that you draft your team. Um, So whoever the commissioner is, get them into gear. If you don't know who you're drafting, just remember that everybody's going to get injured the first week anyway, and it doesn't matter. And finally, if you win a league, that doesn't mean you know more about football. It just means you got goddamn lucky, baby. So you might as well hit that auto draft, kick back, drink a beer, and watch Yahoo or ESPN or Sleeper do the job for you because you deserve a break. You really do. So you should just go get yourself a break over there. Um, Before we move on, we got a lot of NFL subjects to talk about, and obviously the baseball thing that's going to be the bulk of this. I'm hoping to get this around an hour so uh, you guys will hear me talk. If I'm too slow, speed it up. I was told last time that you need to speed me up, so now I'm just running. I'm just sprinting right now in conversation. So, um, again, if you want to listen to a maniac talk to himself for an hour, you are in the right place. Um, But first, a word from our friends at Henson Shaving. This part of today's episode is brought to you by none other than our friends at Henson Shaving. If you guys have been listening to the show for a while, you already know that we swear by Henson Shaving. We've been using them for months, and there really isn't a better product out there. The Henson Razor puts an end to shaving irritation and cuts while also making your skin feel comfortable and smooth. This razor is made by using CNC machines to aerospace standards. That's right, rocket ships, people. That means it's made to very tight tolerances, meaning that the combination of how securely it's held and how minimally the blade is exposed delivers a smooth and safe shave no other razor can offer. It's literally one blade. Be be safe. Please be safe. They're very sharp. You twist on the top and you get to work. It's that easy. You remember the beard bet? You remember me shaving off the whole thing? If you need to watch somebody use it, go on my Instagram and check it out because it's really that easy. Cost ownership averages $88.20 every two years, which is essentially $177 less than normal cartridge razors. They're sustainable. It's precise. 
It's Henson shaving. It's got a nice weight to it. It's made out of metal. None of this plastic garbage. So please use the promo code the Taxi Squad. T H E T A X I S Q U A D at checkout, and you'll receive a hundred pack of blades free with the purchase of the razor. So you go on the site, you add the razor that you're looking for, and then you add a hundred pack of razors. You'll get those for free. For most users, this amount of blades will last you two to five years, depending on how often you shave. So that promo code again is the Taxi Squad at HensonShaving.com. Go check it out. Who's that knocking on my window? It's a hard knock. We're talking about hard knocks, episode three. Um, this Aaron Rodgers puff piece puff piece keeps going. Um, I do love me some Aaron Rodgers this year. That's a new um, development now that he's not in the. NFC North, I can finally experience Aaron Rodgers and not hate him the whole time. So this is fun. Um, he does seem like he is being real chill in front of the cameras. I'm very intrigued to see what happens when the offensive line fucks up, and that did actually end up happening. Um, there was a nice little Randall Cobb thing that went on this week where he's with his family and all that, and then he's talking to the players, and he's like, listen, he's all happy-go-lucky now, but he will yell at you. I feel like at some point that's going to have to happen. Uh, just because something's going to get fucked up and he's not going to be happy-go-lucky Aaron Rodgers anymore. So that's my first take. It's uh, He seems very, very calm, very excited to be with the team. And along with that, there's a guy that's playing quarterback this whole preseason, and his name is Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson is, if you don't remember, a top three draft pick, and he hasn't been good for the Jets. So if you didn't know that, you're welcome. I'm assuming you did. Um, he has not been very good the last two seasons. They bring in Aaron Rodgers. Their offense sucked last year. They were freaking 7-10 and 10 with a great defense and a horrible offense. That's going to be a lot better this time. What Aaron Rodgers is saying is that he'll be here for a couple years, yeah, but the next 15 to 20 years is Zach's team, and they're going to be good for a long time, and I just can't believe that. You just bring one guy, one California lad, one Cal University, quarterback university, if you will. Goff and Rodgers fans out here, I'm just saying. Um, you want to say that you bring him in for a couple years and Zach Wilson changes what he is as a quarterback. He's obviously changed his signal calling. He's doing some of those no-look passes, which I wouldn't trust him to do. He's got a great arm talent. All of this is true all at the same time. I don't believe it. We'll see what ends up happening, but I do think and again Mike's not on this pod so I can and I hope he's listening right now I really do because you can just feel the Patriots coming and last this year I just feel it in my plums I don't know what's gonna happen I don't know if Belichick's gonna be on a short lease not leash now with Robert Kraft um obviously they weren't as successful as they have been previous to Bill Belichick and they haven't post Tom Brady um, I've been saying it for a long time that I think Tom Brady probably has a little more to do with it than Bill Belichick, but hey, who am I? I'm just a guy from Chicago that has never seen a Super Bowl championship from his team in his lifetime. So yeah, I, I watched a Jim McMahon documentary the other day. I was just crying in my popcorn. Um, <clears throat> another thing, Quentin Williams is a dog. I think we all kind of know that, but he's definitely a dog. He still is a dog and he will be forever. Um, he can just run through walls. Uh, that nice little PowerPoint that Salo put together with the, are you a competitor, a commander? Are you going to react when people push you? Are you going to be a self-starter? All that stuff. Just classic football guy talk. Classic football guy. Like, 
all time, like, I want to see you hit a guy. Or when Quentin Williams walks up and he was like, you got to show him what it's like on the field. And Robert Sala was like, I fucking love that guy. It just gets me all juiced up. I wish Dan Campbell was the coach, though, to be honest. That was way more exciting. I want to see Guy cry about football. That really gets me going. I'm really excited when someone starts crying about football. So defense looks stout. I think they're going to be really good this year. I think uh, they probably might be the ones to injure Tua, and that would allow the the Chicago Mike prophecy to come true. Or should I say Arizona Mike or whatever, retired Mike, whatever we'll call him. We'll figure that out. If you have any suggestions, just hit me up on the Twitterverse. He's not going to go on there, so I'll take all those. I'll take all the credit. Just kidding. I will totally tell him that you, whoever you are made it up, and it's going to be fucking awesome. Um, one thing about that episode that did make me sad is the Izzy injury. <clears throat> um, that backfield ridiculous, especially with Brees Hall back, especially with Dalvin Cook, and then you got to assume Michael Carter's going to take that three roll, which will probably leave Izzy off the de- death chart, depth chart. Excuse me, geez. Um, he may not be on the Jets this year, but he will be on somebody's for sure. Uh, he looks like a beast. He's not afraid to get in the middle of a play. It's just that injury, man. And it seems like he got away with it without it being a major injury, which is good. Um, but he's got that dog too. He's got the Quinton Williams in there too. He's a smaller guy. It don't matter. He's got that dog. He's ready to run through a guy. He's ready to set a block and maybe get pulverized over just to give Aaron Rodgers a couple more seconds. That's the kind of guy we need when we're on a football field. So shout out to Izzy. I hope he gets better soon, and maybe he'll be the running back for, shit, I don't know, the Indianapolis Colts? What a segue, me. High five myself. I don't know if you heard that. It was sick. Um, Colts have given Jonathan Taylor until Tuesday to find a suitable trade after authorizing him to look for his own trade partner. Six teams have inquired about Taylor's availability, and two have made offers. Obviously, neither of them have been accepted. I don't know what's going on over there, man. I think Anthony Richardson might be good. He's the king of intangibles. We see this all the time. Uh, you want to ideally think, like, everything he's doing right now makes him look good. But again, like, when the rubber hits the road, I can do about a million cliches. When you start the season, you're playing against real people in the NFL. Like, not guys that are trying to get into a roster. Like, guys that are shoe-ins every year. Like those big dudes, those big dudes up front that are going to run a guy over and chase you down. Like the crazy, insane athletes that are 280 pounds and they're just as fast as any freaking running back. That's what concerns me. And one thing that could be a bigger issue is not having one of the best running backs in the league on your team. And I know Jonathan Taylor didn't have the best year last year, which is, you know, fine. That's okay. That happens. Two years ago, he was the best freaking running back in the league. So I don't see why. He wouldn't be able to come back and do that again. And he wants to get paid for it. And we talk about this almost weekly at this point, where it's like running backs are looking to get paid. Um, The Saquon, the Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is going to be back for week one. Like, either they're going to do it or they don't. No one's going to hold out anymore because we saw what happened with that Le'Veon Bell situation. And it now gives Jonathan Taylor the opportunity to look for a trade to get signed so like where does he go is the next question you got a bunch of teams in the nfl that aren't looking to trade for a player or especially i guess they look for a player but not a running back especially one that it's expecting to get paid 
Like, I don't know if this is going to be a Christian McCaffrey situation because you look down the line right now at teams that could need a running back and teams that are going to trade for a guy like Jonathan Taylor. Maybe a younger team that needs a running back that can kind of be like a workhorse for a younger quarterback. Sound familiar? Oh, freaking Indianapolis right now. Like, literally what's happening in Indianapolis right now. You look at the Titans or the Jaguars or anywhere in their division, they're all taken care of. The Texans aren't going to be paying hand over fist for a running back when they don't even know what's going on on their team, just hoping the C.J. Stroud works out. Like, I don't think they're going to make that trade. You go to the North, you got the Steelers. They're pretty much taken care of with Najee. The Browns are also good. Nick Chubb's a dog. Joe Mixon. Ravens got a running back at quarterback, and I like that because that's just like Justin Fields, but the Ravens are also taken care of as well. Chargers, good. Raiders, obviously good. We just talked about them. Chiefs, they're fine. They'll do all right. You get to the Broncos. They got all that money wrapped up in Russell Wilson. He's probably not going to go to the Broncos. They're not going to pay for him. And then you get to the East. The Jets, we just talked about it. Their entire room is freaking elite. Dolphins, maybe. Maybe the Dolphins? That could be a decent landing spot. But I don't know if that's going to happen either because I don't know if they're going to want to pay for him. Bills won't. Patriots don't want him. So that's the entire AFC. Look over to the NFC. Obviously, the Cowboys aren't going to pay. Giants are taken care of. Eagles are okay. Commanders are okay. Cardinals are going to be the worst team in the league. I don't think they're going to trade for him. Rams, they got enough issues right now as far as their team put together since they have been just trading picks every year for the last... I don't know, freaking what feels like 10 years. 49ers, McCaffrey, Seahawks, they want to see what Kenny Walker's got. Bears are not Bears are definitely not going to trade for him. Lions taken care of, Packers taken care of. Vikings, they're offloading all their money. They didn't sign Dalvin Cook. Why would they sign Jonathan Taylor? And then you get to the sad NFC South, where maybe this could happen. You want to send him to the Falcons or the Panthers? Go ahead. I don't think he's going to be searching for that trade. So it's kind of sitting in a situation where I'm like, where is this guy going to go? Is there any place for him to go? I don't know. So if he has until Tuesday, so when you're, if you're listening to this on Thursday, he's got what? Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. If it's before Tuesday, you got four days to figure out a team that wants you and is going to pay you? Nah. Ain't going to happen. I want it to happen. I want there to be a reason to sign running backs, and this is the same argument I'll make all the time, and I ask Mike this as well. It's like, the only way to fix this is to get rid of the franchise tag, because I still don't think it makes any sense. We haven't, I haven't heard one compelling argument as to why we have the franchise tag. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So get rid of it. Maybe you're going to sign guys a little bit earlier, and then you don't have to run into the situation of needing to sign a guy to a five-year contract at 26 knowing that at 31, he's not going to be the same guy because he's a running back in the NFL. Like, that's just how that shit goes. So, Jonathan Taylor, good luck. I like you as a player. I don't think anybody's going to trade for you. Um, Moving on to quarterbacks, it's looking pretty up there in the Northwest. And I'm not talking about Seattle, baby. I'm talking about San Francisco. Brock Purdy is the starter in San Fran. We talked about this a little last week. Darnold's announces the second guy on the depth chart. And if you remember, if you want to talk another top three guy, just like we talked Zach Wilson, there's a man named Trey Lance that now is what I assume to be third. I don't think he's good, man. 
I think they're learning that pretty quickly. If you look at Trey Lance in college, and we've heard this ad nauseum, especially during the draft, like, I don't understand why they're going to take this guy. He barely played in college. Yeah, he didn't play a lot at all. Intangible's great. Same argument I'll make for Anthony Richardson, except Anthony Richardson got more reps. He threw the ball a bunch. He threw it far. But really not as much as you want him to. And now they're looking at him and you see the training camp videos and all these are going to be biased. And you're seeing one where he doesn't hit a target. And you're like, dude, you spent a lot on a guy like this. It's given real Mitch Trubisky vibes, but also injury prone. Not great. I'm sure Colin Coward's jumping for the stars after he broke up with his his daughter. So maybe that's a you know positive twist on this. But Trey Lance is looking on the road to nowhere. Maybe he gets sent somewhere. Maybe, you know, he goes to Atlanta and then gives Ritter a run for his money. Maybe he goes to the Commanders with that new ownership group. That was uncomfortable. I'm sure you guys saw that. The freaking new owner of the Washington Commanders talking to Joe Buck, having a whole conversation and going in to shake Joe Buck's hand because he reached his hand out. Not what he was asking for. Troy Aikman about to laugh his ass off. Watch that video if you want. It's freaking hilarious. But outside of all of that conversation, we're still stuck with Trey Lance as third on the death chart, a complete waste of a second overall pick for a guy that you hope have uh, has upside. Is that Shanahan's draft? And he's like, what the fuck am I doing? That's kind of what it feels like, but now you're at a point where Mr. Irrelevant, he can be the latest draft pick ever to win a Super Bowl because his team is ready to go. He did nothing last year to tell you that he isn't ready to run that offense. And yeah, whatever, any quarterback can run that offense, great. So Brock Purdy definitely can, and he's going to do it hopefully at an elite level. And it'd be fun to see if the 49ers can make a run this year with Brock Purdy behind the helm. And finally, in quarterback news, Mr. Baker Mayfield is starting in Tampa Bay. And we've seen Baker Mayfield start a couple places. He was elite for the Rams for about 20 minutes. He was the only quarterback to bring the Browns to the Super Bowl since freaking World War II, probably. Something like, or not Super Bowl, excuse me, playoffs since like World War II. Um, you have to do this if you're Tampa Bay. You got Kyle Trask waiting, and they were like, is Trask or Baker going to start? If you start Kyle Trask and he sucks and you put in Baker Mayfield late, you're like, fuck, our young guy sucks, and now we got to stick with Baker Mayfield. They're going to have the hope of having Baker Mayfield start, and if he doesn't play well, you'll give him a couple weeks, come back around on it. Okay, Baker Mayfield isn't as good as we want. Let's put the young guy in. Everybody's jacked to get Kyle Trask in. Nobody's jacked if you take Kyle Trask out and you put in Baker Mayfield. I just don't see that happening. Um, so that's. I think this is just more of a, a PR play than anything. The freaking Bucks are going to suck this year. Like, it's probably the Saints division to take. I don't see the Bucks going anywhere. So my biggest issue with this is Kyle does not, just the name in general, does not have a good history in the NFL as far as quarterbacks are concerned. You got Allen, Kyle Allen. You know, he's eaten a meal in the NFL. He's done a little bit. That's been okay. It's been a cool little test. And then you got Kyle Orton. Bears legend Kyle Orton. Not bad. Not good either. 
So I guess they're rooting for him to be the best Kyle in NFL history. At least Kyle on in the quarterback position. I honestly can't even think that many Kyles anyway. Kyle Long. Is about it. <laughs> I can't think of anyone else anyway. So, yeah, we'll see if Kyle works out. Um, I can't say the name Kyle anymore because I did it too much in that segment. So, go Kyle. Good luck for you, Kyle. I hope everything goes well. I'm going to talk about the White Sox in a moment. I'm going to play you a nice little voicemail that Mike gave us. But here, real quick, there's going to be a quick word from Liquid IV. This portion of today's show is brought to you by Liquid IV. That's right, the hydration brand we've all come to know and love is with ya boys. It's festival, outdoor party, and adventure season, and proper hydration is essential. You don't want to miss out on the summertime activities while they're still here. Liquid IV will help you hydrate and stay in the game. I've been using Liquid IV for a few years, and i found a ton of uses for it. Uh, going to sleep after a day-long soiree. This is the product that helps me rehydrate and recover. I brought them with me on hikes, long bike rides, vacations, and maybe most importantly, bachelor party weekends. The beauty of it all is that Liquid IV comes in a small, convenient package that you just add to a bottle of water and drink away. One stick of Liquid IV and 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the Taxi Squad podcast code. T-A-X-I-S-Q-U-A-D-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, no spaces, at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using the promo code Taxi Squad Podcast at liquidiv.com. Because he couldn't be here to record tonight, Taxi Squad Mike did leave me a voicemail today, and I do want to share that before I share my feelings on the White Sox. So, without further ado, please enjoy. Vince, I've been doing some thinking. And you know what? Fuck them. Move the team to Nashville. Call them the fucking Blue Notes, or whatever the hell they're going to do, and just relieve us of this epic pain and disappointment of this Southside fucking shit show slash travesty of a baseball team. Done. Do us a favor. Get rid of Diamondback fans or some other irrelevant fucking franchise at this stage of the game. All my thoughts, driving through Texas. Just a quick update. I'll talk to you soon. Uh, I can uh, agree with most of those sentiments. I don't want them to move to Nashville. I think that's a long con by him to get me to become an Arizona Diamondbacks fan and just move out by him, but, you know, he hasn't said that, so I'll take it for what it is. But I agree with him in a lot of it. Fuck it. All of it's crazy. Um, so I'm going to get to my entire point as we go here, but I just want to give you some back history on the guys that they did end up dumping yesterday, <clears throat> which I think, yes, was a good move. Kenny Williams. EVP of the White Sox executive vice president. He was drafted by the White Sox in 1982, hopped around the league a bit for 10 years, played on the Expos. In 1992, he joined the White Sox as a scout, named special assistant to Chairman Jerry Reinsdorf, who likes him a lot. This is going to be a recurring theme, Jerry Reinsdorf liking a guy. In 1994, and spent some time as a studio analyst for the Sox before becoming the team's director of minor league operations in 1995. Again, remember that. In 1997, he's named vice president of player development, a position in which he remained in until 2000. In 2000, he was the GM, 
And I think a lot of people can agree he made some really good decisions. Uh, after a 95-win season, he let Jerry Manuel go a little bit longer and then brought in Ozzie Guillen. He also brought in big-time guys through trades and free agency for the championship teams. He got Jermaine Dye. He got AJ Brzezinski, El Duque, all through free agency. He also traded for Scott Podsednik, Freddie Garcia, had a couple guys come through the minors like Joe Creedy. He did a great job. He was chippy, made some good moves for the better part of 10 years or so, got good value on Jake Peavy when they brought him into the team later in the t- early or later in the 2000s rather. Uh, picked up some under the radar trades, got Gavin Floyd, picked up another, you know, a couple other guys that were good moves. Um, so once 2012 hit, he became the executive vice president, and Mr. Rick Hahn was made general manager, and all seemed good. Rick Hahn started out as an agent. He actually had an opportunity to become the Cardinals general manager and turned it down. He was blocked by the White Sox to interview for a couple other positions. He also had an opportunity to go interview for the Pittsburgh role, and he also turned it down. Um, he was consensus. Next GM up, top three in baseball in 2008, 2009, 2010. 2011, voted the number one GM candidate in Sports Illustrated. And that, in 2012, is when, again, he got hired to work under Kenny Williams, who was the executive vice president. And in 2020, all seemed good. This is during Taxi Squad podcast time. 2020 was during that. He was voted executive of the year by his peers. And all of that fades real fast and real uncomfortably. So now the White Sox are without either guy. Um, the first thing that I want to say about this is Jerry Reinsdorf runs the team for sure. So you see a lot of arguments like, hey, it's going to be the GM that gets the fall. You can't blame the owner for everything, yada, yada, yada. Rick Hahn wanted to resign his position multiple times, especially when... Tony LaRusso was brought in because he's friends with Jerry Reinsdorf. Remember, loves his friends. Got to keep remembering that as we do that here. <clears throat> he denied his resignation, saying that he would block other jobs with other teams because he's under contract with the White Sox. So Rick Hahn didn't want to fucking be here because he's like, what are we doing? I can't do my job correctly because you don't want to spend money and you keep hiring your friends. Now he's fired. He can go wherever he wants. He's probably going to go somewhere and do fucking great because he could spend more than Andrew Benintendi money, which, again, is the biggest contract the White Sox have ever signed. It's Andrew Benintendi. What a fucking mess. Um, so now the White Sox are without either of them, and we still can't trust Jerry f- with shit, really. And to reflect what Mike said in his voicemail, there's rumblings that the Sox could possibly move to Nashville when their lease ends with Chicago in six years, putting Jerry Reinsdorf at 93. <clears throat> So, you know, pick up what I'm putting down. The average age for Americans is, what, like 72 or something like that? So, like, hey, man, six years is a long time for an 87-year-old. We'll see what ends up happening. Um, But it'd be cool if he just sold the team. That'd be fucking pretty awesome. And then you can just bring somebody in that's going to spend some money, and then we can actually be a fun baseball team for once. That'd be cool. Any ideas? Nope, I don't have any either. Jerry Reinsdorf runs the team. Um, Jerry Reinsdorf... Brought in Tony La Russa again. Worked great last time. So now Tony La Russa is going to be a special advisor role to help Jerry set the team up again. That'll work out great. I see no issues with that. Um, he's been a model citizen, and he's been a great uh, white sock for 
you know, in in the, the late or the early 2020s. It's worked out real great for Mr. Tony La Russa. Uh, saw a picture of him the other day. He does not look great. He has declining health for sure. He had cancer that he just beat. So good for you, Tony. I'm not wishing any of that on you. Just I wish you weren't on the White Sox right now or part of the organization. It doesn't make any sense. Um, so Tony La Russa, welcome to the team. Chris Getz is probably the top candidate right now to get the GM role for the White Sox. He currently serves as the assistant general manager and player development for the White Sox. Previously worked in the Sox farm system. So I told you before, Mr. Kenny Williams did the same thing. He worked in the farm system. Uh, and, you know, that ended up working out. So maybe Chris Getz is going to work out. Uh, the one thing to keep in mind, though, for these White Sox and their farm system, Chris Getz ran the same farm system that this year ranks dead last in collective run differential. So that's high A ball, low A ball, double A, triple A. Their run differential combined with all those teams is almost at minus 500. So teams altogether have scored 500 more runs than the White Sox collectively in their minor league system. So obviously he's doing great there, so he deserves a promotion. Um, the next guy, which is, just seems like a very important guy, and he has a lot going on with, uh, with baseball, and this might be a good thing for us. We'll see. Dayton Moore. Dayton Moore right now is an American baseball executive. He is the senior advisor of baseball operations for the Texas Rangers. Uh, he began out at George Mason University. He went to professional baseball with the Braves. He was a scout for the Braves. He was hired by the Royals to fill a vacancy in their general manager position. The same Royals team that we got Pedro Griffal, that that's working out great. So make sure you get more Royals. Um, he was the general manager for the 2014 ALCS and 2015 World Series titles for those Royals. So no reason that wouldn't work seven years later. That's going to be great. Um, he was the general manager for the Royals up until the end of 2021 and 2022. And then he was promoted to president of baseball operations until he was fired by the Royals. So that's good. It's always a good look to get fired by the Royals. That's always good for, for the White Sox. Um, grew up in Moline. So just like Mr. Rick Hahn, who grew up in Winnetka, Mr. Dade Moore grew up in Moline. Um, Illinois State American Legion baseball tournament runner-up Moline. He was a childhood Royals fan. So good that he was with the Royals. All these things are great. It's like, wow, he's really committed to the game of baseball. Um, so I went over his whole thing. And one of the best things about this guy is that he believes in second chances. And that was sarcasm. Because in 2018, he got a little bit of back, a little bit of backlash. He made some comments about Oregon State University pitcher prospect Luke Heimlich. He said, I think he has earned the opportunity to play professional baseball. And you ask yourself, why would he say that? That makes a total, that makes a bunch of sense. He should be able to play professional baseball. Well, Mr. Luke Heimlich is a convicted child molester. So that's good. Um, yeah, so we believe in second chances. Yep, you definitely have to say that, Dayton Moore. So I'm really excited for him to join the team. Um, I think him and Chris Getz is going to be just a combination for the ages. So 
good for that. That's probably what's going to end up happening. Luckily, they brought Tony LaRusa in to do no research and help at all. I think he just wants to hang out with his buddy, if I'm being honest. Uh, I saw a tweet today from Mark Silverman, also known as Sylvie from Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN Chicago. He made a astute point, which kind of brings all of my thoughts together on this. There was no search for the Bulls when they hired Tim Floyd back in the day, if you remember that. There was no search for the Bulls when they hired Fred Hoiberg. They wanted Fred Hoiberg. There was no search when they hired Jim Boylan. Everybody's like, why the fuck did they hire Jim Boylan to be the head coach of the Bulls? Uh, remember when Robin Ventura got hired? No coaching search. Got to get Robin Ventura. Oh, uh, remember when Rick Hahn wanted to resign as the GM of the team because they didn't look for a guy? They just hired fucking Tony La Russa right after a DUI, and the man was like fucking 76 years old? That worked out great too. So I say all of this. I record that last like 20-minute rant that I just went on to say all of this is that Jerry Reinsdorf is going to hire his buddy. And realistically, it's probably going to come from the Kansas City Royals for some dumb-ass reason. I don't really get it. It drives me nuts. I can't wait until he gets rid of this team. The worst thing that can happen is he croaks and then his son takes over, and then he's like, let's move to Nashville for some stupid fucking reason. The team that's been in the same place for over 100 years, we're going on like 120 now. And they're like, oh, okay, let's just move him to Nashville. That's a good fucking idea. No, it's not. Just sell the team. Give it to somebody that's ready to spend a little bit more money, a la the New York Mets. I know that didn't work out great this year, but I'd rather be in that position than sit here and be like, oh, well, at least Tony La Russa, the brain trust of Tony La Russa and Jerry Reinsdorf to make a decision to bring in guys that are probably going to fire Griffal and bring in another guy that doesn't make any sense in hopes that he's the next, you know, freaking... Theo Epstein, who said he doesn't want to come to the White Sox. Also, you got Rizzo from the Nationals that might not re-sign with the Nationals, and he could be a prospect, but they're not going to think about that. They're just going to hire some asshole. And then realistically, Tony LaRusso probably will be the goddamn coach because Chris Getz is just going to have to listen to what Jer whatever Jerry Reinsdorf says. I'm sick of rooting for teams that Jerry Reinsdorf runs. I think it's a good quote-unquote day for White Sox fans because... There is some new stuff being brought in. Eloy's pissed off that they got fired, not realizing that this is a professional sport, and if you guys don't do anything and get injured all the time and suck at playing and there's no leadership, then, yeah, people get fired, dude. Like, I think he doesn't understand that this isn't just, like, a fun little time with his friends. Um, so he's learning that. They're probably going to clean house. They're probably going to keep Cease and Robert. I think I've been saying that for weeks now. Same thing's probably going to happen with that. So... Godspeed. Go ahead and do that, guys. I think that's a smart thing to do. Um, but other than that, you just need a guy that's willing to spend some money. Because the best thing that can happen in this situation is what's happening with the Orioles. And the Angelos come out and say, hey, we're going to have to raise prices for everything so we can make enough money to make this make sense, even though they're a multi-billion dollar family. But Jerry Reinsdorf is just out here selling real estate and price gouging renters and just buying baseball teams and running them essentially into the mud for the last 15 to 20 years. Not 20. I won't say 20. 2005 is pretty cool. But again, as I said before as well, kind of a fluke in a lot of ways. They were really good. They really worked out at the end of that year. Everything hit correctly. And you can't expect that to happen. You have to have backup plans. And I don't think he does enough. He doesn't even make a first plan. So he's not going to have a fucking backup plan. 
So, Jerry Reinsdorf, sell the team, please. That would be so cool. Um, I guess Mike and I are going to be Diamondbacks fans if they move to Nashville. Um, so, we'll see if that ends up happening. Um, but overall, all in all, White Sox clean house. New players on the way. A lot of news that's going to come out. We'll talk about all that stuff. Excited to have Mike back next week. Um, hopefully the move's going well if you're listening right now. Why I love you, sweet pea. Um, yeah, I almost got an hour in here. We're like 45 minutes, but I'm sure you're sick of hearing me talk too. So you know the drill. Everybody go in. I need you to like all this stuff on Instagram, on Twitter, like the podcast. Make sure you're getting those notifications. Please, please hit that download button. Truly, you guys don't understand how much that helps us. Um, We want to keep doing this forever and ever and ever. And the more downloads we get, the more opportunities we'll get and the more podcasts you'll get as well. So please hit that download button. And then finally, if you have a father, grandfather, if you have a husband who has a dad or a father or grandfather, if you're a girl listening, a lady that's listening to this podcast, thank you. Trying to change up our demographic a little bit. So that's awesome. Uh, Let your mom know. Show it to your mom. See if she likes to hear some psychotic 28-year-old talk about the White Sox for 25 minutes. That would be cool. Let her know as well. Let everybody in your family know. Please, we love you. Hit that download button. We'll see you next week. Peace.